To truly be a disciple of Jesus means not that I'm going to serve the Lord based on my wisdom, my understanding, my ideas, but it means I'm going to yield, I'm going to surrender, I'm going to relinquish control, and I'm going to allow the life of Christ to begin to be expressed through me. My inheritance is not going to be what I can fashion with my hands, what I can plant and harvest with my efforts, but my inheritance is God himself in me. Welcome to the Mike Atkins Podcast. I'm honored that you've tuned in. My prayer is that as we study God's Word together, our hearts would be open to the life-changing truth of Christ in us, the hope of glory, to everything the Lord has done for us, but most importantly, to everything the Lord longs to do through us. Learn more about our ministry at MikeAkinsMinistry.com. So thankful for you and for the fact that you're sharing this time with us today. Tonight, I want us to begin in the book of Psalms, Psalm 16. And uh, we're going to go through several verses of Scripture in the Torah, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy. We've got about four or five verses I want to look at there. So they'll be easy to follow, I think, for you to look up. But I want to begin tonight in Psalm chapter 16. And I want to begin with a very, very important verse of Scripture here. Psalm 16, verse 5. As I begin this verse, I want to say that so many times we read a verse of Scripture, and because we have a limited understanding of the backstory on that verse, we are able to glean a certain amount of riches from it and uh, to enjoy a certain amount of revelation. But then when we begin to understand more about it, it just opens up a whole new vista. And tonight, I think we're going to see that happen. So notice what it says here in Psalm 16 and verse 5. O Lord, you are the portion of my inheritance and my cup. You maintain my lot. The lines have fallen to me in pleasant places. Yes, I have a good inheritance. I want you to notice a couple of words here. In verse 5, he says, you are the portion of my inheritance and my cup. Then he says, you maintain my lot. That means you guard my inheritance. You watch over my portion. And he says, the lines have fallen to me in pleasant places. Well, what's he talking about? He's talking about the lines, so to speak, of his allotment, of his inheritance. They have fallen to him he says, in pleasant places. And then he ends with this phrase. He says, yes, I have a good inheritance. Now, I want to just tell you, before this evening's over, I believe you'll be able to say those words with a rich, rich, rich understanding. So I want to begin by talking about something. I want to talk about the idea of priesthood. And I want to talk about it in relationship to this idea of portion or inheritance. And I want to talk about that in relationship to what we've been discussing about this unexpected path that I found many years ago about the Christian life 
which is that the Christian life is not about me trying to live my life for Christ, but it's about Christ living his life through me. Now, we talked about that two weeks ago. Last week, we opened that up even more about how Christ lives his life through us. Now, I want to look at this idea of inheritance, but to look at it, I want to take a moment and look at the idea of priesthood, and I think you understand why. You know, God had an original plan. His original plan was that he was going to choose a man, Abraham, who was not Jewish. Abraham was Chaldean. There was no such thing as Jewish. Israel didn't exist. God found Abraham in Ur of the Chaldees, and he called him out. And he said to Abraham, I'm going to make of you a mighty nation. You who have never had a child, you who are past the age of, of having children, you and your wife, I'm going to bring forth from you a mighty nation, a spiritual miracle of a birthing of a nation through a man and a woman who are as good as dead. And Abraham was called out and obeyed God and believed God. And the Bible says that Abraham then became the father, Abraham and Isaac and Jacob. And then Jacob became Israel and he had 12 sons, the 12 tribes of Israel. And then they went into bondage and captivity and slavery to Egypt. Then God sent Moses, and God, with Moses, brought Egypt out of bondage and slavery and brought them into the wilderness to prepare them to go into a land of promise. Now, I say all of that to tell you that God had a plan for the nation of Israel. Once they had become a nation, God had a plan for the nation of Israel, and that plan is found in Exodus chapter 19. Exodus chapter 19. And I'm going to go through a couple of verses here, right in these first five books. Exodus chapter 19, verse 5. I want you to see what God's plan was for the nation of Israel, for all of the nation, all the tribes. Exodus 19, verse 5 says, Now, therefore, if you will indeed obey my voice and keep my covenant, then you shall be a special treasure to me above all people, for all the earth is mine. And then notice what he says in verse 6, and you shall be to me a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. And these are the words which you shall speak to the children of Israel. Now it was God's intention that the entire nation of Israel would become participants in a priesthood. They would become participants in going to God on behalf of man and going to men on behalf of God. In other words, his intention was that all of Israel would operate in a holy priesthood. A, they would be a kingdom, a nation of priests, and they would be a light to the nations of the earth. But something happened. And I'm going to just jump through this, this a little bit to let you understand this. But what happened is once Israel had gotten out into the wilderness, they were now a nation. The fulfillment of the promise to Abraham had come to pass. Now Moses goes up on the top of the mountain to begin to receive from the Lord the Ten Commandments and the guidelines for how to govern this nation of priests. And while he's on the top of the mountain, many of you know these stories from Sunday school, but as he was on the top of the mountain, the Bible says that Aaron, who was Moses's oldest brother, it was the firstborn brother, 
Aaron fashioned a golden calf because the people got tired of waiting for Moses to come down from the mountain with the guidelines and the spiritual guidance from God, they decided they wanted to come up with a God of their own making. And they wanted to establish a God that they could see and that they could manage and that they could handle. And they put together this golden calf, Aaron cast this golden calf, and the people began to worship the golden calf as though he was the God who had brought them out of the land of Egypt. Now, when this happened, remember, we're talking about priesthood because we're going to be talking about inheritance. When this happened, something occurred. God then changed his plan for all of Israel to become priests. And instead, he chose one tribe to become a priest, the priestly tribe. And let me show you where that happened. It's found over in the verse of book of Numbers. So if you look with me at Numbers, and that's just a couple of pages over, and notice what he says in Numbers chapter 8. He says, here's what I want you to do, verse 13. You shall stand the Levites before Aaron and his sons and offer them like a wave offering to the Lord. Thus shall you separate the Levites from among the children of Israel, and the Levites shall be mine. After the Levites shall go into the service of the tabernacle of the meeting, you shall cleanse them and offer them like a wave offering, for they are wholly given to me from among the children of Israel. I have taken them for myself instead of all who open the womb, the firstborn of all the children of Israel. For all the firstborn among the children of Israel are mine, both man and beast, on the day that I struck the firstborn in the land of Egypt. But in verse 18, he says, I have taken the Levites instead of all of the firstborn of the children of Israel. You see, prior to the golden calf, it was God's intention that the firstborn child from every tribe in Israel would become the priests. But when Israel went after this golden calf and fashioned God in an image that was an image of their own making, a fleshly decision for how they were going to worship God, when they did that, God then rejected the other tribes of Israel. But there was one tribe, only one tribe of the 12 tribes, only one tribe that refused to bow down and worship to the golden idol. And instead, when God said, who is on the Lord's side, the Levites came to the Lord's side. And then the Levites showed their passion and zeal for the true God. And they decided that they would stand with God against the idolatry of the day. And from that point on, God put away the other tribes of Israel, and they were no longer a part of the priesthood. And God chose the Levites to become the priests of Israel. Now, this is really important for where we're going to get to. And I'm sorry I have to take this much time. Maybe these are things that you already know, but possibly I'm telling some of you some things that you didn't know. So there was only one tribe now that were the priests of Israel. And this one tribe replaced all of the firstborn of all of the tribes of Israel. And they were now put away from the priesthood, though it was God's original intention that all of them would be a kingdom of priests. And instead now, he chose the Levites. Now, 
when he chose the Levites, something interesting happened. The Levites were given a very unique distinction among all the other tribes of Israel. Yes, they were the ones now who came and served the temple. Yes, they were the ones who came and were given the priestly garments. Yes, they were the ones who carried in the wilderness. They carried the tabernacle through the wilderness. Yes, they were the ones who offered the sacrifice. So yes, they were distinct in that way, but there was another very important way that the Levites were very different than every other tribe of Israel. And the way you could find it is you could open your Bible and you could look to an, a map of the tribes of Israel and how the land was allotted to them. Because one of the things you're going to see is you'll see Dan and Asher and Naphtali and Reuben and Gad and and Judah, you'll see all the tribes of Israel listed there, but there's one tribe you won't see on the map. The tribe that is not on the map is Levi. Why was Levi not given any land? Well, let's find out why Levi wasn't given any land. The Levites were not given any land because the Lord had a different plan for the Levites. Now, I want you to notice what it says over in Deuteronomy chapter 10. So keep turning right from where we've been in Numbers. I tell you what, let's look at Numbers first 18 before we get to Deuteronomy. Numbers 18. And I want you to look at what the Bible says in verse 20 of Numbers 18. Numbers 18 verse 20, it says, Then the Lord said to Aaron, the Levites, You shall have no inheritance in their land nor shall you have any portion among them. Why? Because God says, I am your portion and your inheritance among the children of Israel. God says, you're not going to inherit the land. You're not going to have an allotment of land. Your lines are not going to be on the earth. Your inheritance is going to be me. This is so critical to understand what the inheritance of the priest is. Because when you understand what the inheritance of the priest is, it's going to give you great insight into something that God wants you to know tonight. I want you to see that this isn't the only place he says this. Look at Deuteronomy now with me, chapter 10. Deuteronomy chapter 10, and notice what it says in verse 8. Again, Genesis, Exodus, Numbers. Deuteronomy. So go to Deuteronomy chapter 10. Look what it says, verse 8. At that time, the Lord separated the tribe of Levi to bear the ark of the covenant of the Lord, to stand before the Lord, to minister to him, and to bless in his name to this day. And look what it says in verse 9. Therefore, Levi has no portion nor inheritance with his brethren, for the Lord is his inheritance, just as the Lord your God promised him. Levi had no land on earth, had no inheritance in this world. The inheritance of Levi, the priests who rejected the false religion of human idolatry, that was based upon what man could build and make with his hands. Man made a golden calf. Man fashioned the golden calf. Man worshipped what man had fashioned 
and what man had made with his fleshly plans and his fleshly ideas, that the Levites rejected that. They said, no, we don't want to worship what we can do with our hands. We don't want to worship what we have made with our own plans and strategies. We want to worship the living God. And because Levi passionately and zealously chose to worship God over worshiping what man had made and what man had built, God chose Levi out from among the, the nation of Israel and made them his priests and said, because you chose me, you're going to get what you've chosen. Because you chose me, I will now become your inheritance. You won't have land that you can name as your own. You won't have the inheritance. that Your name is not going to show up on the map. Your name is not going to show up on the map of what men have inherited on the earth, but you are going to find me as your inheritance. Look what he says over in Deuteronomy in chapter 18. Deuteronomy in chapter 18 in verse 1, it says, The priests, the Levites, all the tribe of Levi shall have no part nor inheritance with Israel. They shall eat the offerings of the Lord made by fire and his portion. Therefore, they shall have no inheritance among their brethren, for the Lord is their inheritance. As he said to them, the psalmist said, I have a good portion. The lines have fallen to me in pleasant places because the Lord is my inheritance. I want you to know that in this unexpected path that I've been talking about, the path that is so different than what the paradigm of so much of Christianity is, which is I'm going to live my life for Christ. I'm going to come up with strategies and plans and ideas. I'm going to serve the Lord with my strength, my ability, my wisdom. I'm going to give my life to the Lord, and I'm just going to bless him with all the things that I'm going to come up with that I'm going to do. All of this represents well-intentioned but completely misguided understandings of what it truly means to be a disciple of Jesus. Because to truly be a disciple of Jesus means not that I'm going to take myself and with my life serve the Lord based on my wisdom, my understanding, my ideas. I'm going to worship God with my presence, my strategies. But it means I'm going to yield. I'm going to surrender. I'm going to relinquish control. And I'm going to allow the life of Christ to begin to be expressed through me. My inheritance is not going to be what I can fashion with my hands, what I can defeat with my weapons, what I can plant and harvest with my efforts, but my inheritance is God himself in me. This inheritance of the Lord, when you begin to grasp it and understand, this is what Christ has really brought to us. He's not just given us a clean slate, removed our sins from us, and now given us a chance to start again and try harder. 
Can I tell you there are so many Christians that think that's exactly what's happened? That we sinned, we blew it, we made mistakes, we failed, we came short of the glory of God. Jesus came and said, okay, you've made a mess of things. I'm going to clean up this mess. I'm going to shed my blood, forgive your sin. I'm going to get you back to even. I'm going to start you over again. Now, do it right this time and don't mess up again. But see, that is absolutely not what Christ did at all. What Christ did is he removed the barrier that kept us from being qualified for his spirit and his life to come and take up residence inside of us. The blood was shed to qualify us to become his temple, the containers of his life that he could take up residence inside of us. That's why Ezekiel 36 says, I'm going to take the old stony heart of you out of you. I'm going to give you a new heart. I'm going to give you a new spirit. I'm going to put my spirit within you, Ezekiel 36, 26. And I'm going to cause you to walk in my statutes and to keep my ordinances. God's plan was to live inside of his people, but sin separated us from God. Jesus did not come to remove the barrier to cleanse us of our sin and then give us a new, okay, I'm, I'm giving you a new beginning. You get to take the test again. This time, do it right. No, he did that so that we would then qualify. We'd be cleansed. We'd be made holy. We would be now qualified for his Holy Spirit to come inside of us, that he would be our inheritance, that his life, his presence would come and live in us, and that our inheritance would not be in this earth, and our inheritance would not be in us building our religious ideas for how we're going to serve the Lord, but that our inheritance would be God himself. As a matter of fact, here in verse 18 of Deuteronomy that we just read, notice he says, the tribe of Levites shall have no part nor inheritance with Israel. They shall eat the offerings of the Lord made by fire, his portion his life, that the offerings were made by fire to the Lord. That's what the priests were to partake of. I know I'm speaking in spiritual language, but I'm trying to get you to think at a deeper level about what it really means to live in Christ. It means that he and his life itself has become our inheritance. Ezekiel chapter 44. Ezekiel 44 and verse 28, and I just keep wanting to let you see that this is true in Scripture, all through Scripture. Ezekiel 44, verse 28, it says, It shall be in regard to their inheritance that I am their inheritance. You shall give them no possessions in Israel, for I am their, in their possession. They shall eat the grain offerings, the sin offering, the trespass. Every dedicated thing in Israel shall be there. And the best of all the first fruits of any kind, any sacrifice of any kind from all your sacrifice shall belong to the priests. Why was that? Because they had the Lord as their inheritance, which meant instead of this world being their inheritance, instead of the work of their hands, the labor that they put forth in the earth, being their inheritance, instead of their inheritance being about what they could build or about what they could fashion, their inheritance was given to them by God. It was 
God's own inheritance, his portion, he gave to them to eat. He gave to them to subsist on. He gave to them to live by. So the Lord himself was the inheritance of the priests. But what difference does all of this make? What difference does it make to me? Makes a great deal of difference. Because I want you to look at what it says over in 1 Peter. Look with me over at 1 Peter. And let's look at 1 Peter chapter 2. 1 Peter chapter 2. And I want you to notice what the scripture says about you and about me in this world. I want to explain to you that the scriptures that we read in the Old Testament are all a shadow. They happened. They were historical, but they are a shadow. They are a symbol. They are a revelation that was given for us, the Bible says in Corinthians chapter 10. They are, they are shadow and an example that was written down for us. What was in the natural there is true in the spiritual for us. Israel was a nation that was meant to be called to be the priests, but they rejected their calling and chose the work of their own hands. But the Levites chose God over the work of man. And when the Levites chose God, God said, I'm now going to give you what you've chosen. Because you chose me, I will be your inheritance. I will be your life. Now look what it says in 1 Peter chapter 2 about you and about me. It says in verse 9, but you are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, his own special people, that you may proclaim the praises of him who called you out of darkness and into his marvelous light, who once were not a people, but are now the people of God, who once had not obtained mercy, but now have obtained mercy. And then notice what he says, Beloved, I beg you as sojourners and pilgrims, abstain from fleshly lusts which war against your soul. Now, look at this with me. He's saying that this is the same calling that was originally upon Israel to be a kingdom of priests. They rejected that and chose the work of their own hands, except for the Levites. The Levites chose the Lord, and God said, now I'll be your inheritance. Well, let me suggest this to you. Among the men and women of the earth, there are those who choose the work of their own hands, whether it's those who are lost or even within the body of Christ. People choose the work of their own hands. They choose their own religion. They choose their own, their own strategies, their own plans. But the Lord says, that's not what I've called you to. I've called you to choose me. I've called you to be a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a peculiar or my own special people. Why? Because he wants us to become the inheritors of his life. He wants to be our inheritance. When we go into the presence of the Lord, and Christ comes and takes up resonance inside of us because we accept him as Lord and Savior. Jesus comes to live inside of us. We're talking in symbols here. Don't think literal. Get rid of literal for just a moment. We're talking in shadow and symbol about higher truth in the scripture. 
when the Spirit of the Lord takes up resonance inside of us, He becomes our inheritance. It's not this world that's our inheritance. It's not this dirt that's our inheritance. None of this will we take with us. But God Himself, His own life, resonant in us, that is our inheritance. Christ in us is our hope of glory. Like the Levites, we're not to invest our interests in this world. As a matter of fact, the Levites ain't on the map. Can I tell you that? The Levites are not on the map. Why? Because that wasn't where their inheritance was. Their inheritance was in God himself. But we have become so connected to this world, so attached to this earth, so focused on the imminent, as I was sharing with a pastor this weekend, we've become so attached to the imminent that we are not living for the preeminent, that which is higher than, greater than, the momentary things that are going on in this world. That's why Paul said, we look not at the things that are seen, for the things that are seen are temporal. We look at the things that are unseen, for the things that are unseen are eternal. You know, when the priest went to the temple, the priest didn't go to the temple and say, hey, I've got some ideas. Why don't we move the furniture around here? Or I've got some ideas. Uh, why don't we do this or do that? I've come up with a couple of... No, when the priest went to the temple, he went to serve the temple. He went to become an instrument of God's plan for what was supposed to happen. He didn't come up with his own plans. He didn't have his own ideas. He wasn't trying to come up with his own strategies. He was there to implement and be an instrument of God's plan. Well, the Bible says that you and I are now the temple of the Holy Spirit. Why is it? Because it's in us that God dwells now by his Spirit. And we're not only the temple, but we're the priests. We're the container of his presence, and we are the inheritors of his life. And we're here not to come up with our own plans, but to become the conduit of and implementers of and instruments of his life, of his plan, to, to do what he has in store. Not to live our lives, come up with our plans for Christ, but to allow his life to be expressed through us, his mind, his heart, his will his purpose. The beauty of this is, what does the psalmist say? Oh, well, I've blessed me. You know, I didn't get any land in Israel. You know, I didn't get anything from God. You know, uh, you know, I know all these other tribes, they got all the good stuff. No, no. what did the psalmist say? He said, Lord, you are the portion of my inheritance in my cup. You maintain my lot. The lines have fallen to me in pleasant places. I have a good inheritance. Why? Because my inheritance is preeminent. It's above this world. It's deeper, richer, higher, more important, more thrilling, is to have the life of Christ inside of me. Look what it says in Revelation chapter 1. Revelation chapter 1. And it says in verse 5, Revelation 1 and verse 5, from Jesus Christ, the faithful witness, the firstborn from the dead, and the ruler over the kings of the earth, to him who loved us and washed us from our sins in his own blood. And then notice what it says in verse 6, and he has made us kings and priests to his God and Father. To him be glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. You are a priest and you are the temple now. Look what it says in Revelation chapter 5. Revelation chapter 5 and verse 9. 
Revelation 5 and verse 9, they sing a new song saying, You are worthy to take the scroll and to open its seals, for you were slain and you have redeemed us to God by your blood out of every tribe and tongue and people and nation. And what it says in verse 10, and have made us kings and priests to our God, and we shall reign on the earth. Oh, there's so much in all of this, so much deeper that I could go and so much more that I could say, but I want to try and bring this to a close. And I want to try and help you understand why this has been on my heart so strongly. You know, in the simplest of terms, I've used a lot of illustrations and symbols from the Old Testament to say this. There are two ways that a man can live his life, whether he is with Christ or without Christ. With Christ, he has two options. Without Christ, he has only one. I should say it that way. And the two opportunities are to live by the flesh or to live by the Spirit. If a person lives by the flesh, it means they have a mind, that's intellect. They have emotions. They have a will. They have passions. And if they're living by the flesh, it means that they get up in the morning and they engage their intellect, they engage their emotions, they engage their will, they engage their passions, and they, they then develop a blueprint for what they're going to do that day. And their life is a life that they live on the basis of their mind, their will, their emotions, and their passions and interests. That's how they focus their life. And they can do that both in a secular sense or a religious sense. They can do it in a sense that is immoral, or they can do it in a sense that is religious. But what they're doing is operating in the flesh. It's about their life, their flesh, what they can fashion with their hands and make, and that's what they're going to engage in and spend their life towards. The other option is to live by the Spirit. To live by the Spirit is a complete paradigm shift. It's a total and complete new way of living. It's not just putting a little salt on the stake of our own life. It's a totally different life entirely. Because to live by the Spirit is to live by His Spirit. The Spirit of life in Christ Jesus sets me free from the law of sin and death which is in my members. The life I now live, I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. For I am dead, and my life is now hidden with Christ in God. And when Christ, who is my life, appears, then I'll appear with him in glory. Paul the Apostle said, For to me to live is Christ. This life by the Spirit is not just God as a spectator, cheering us on as we have shifted now our fleshly life from immorality to morality. We've shifted our fleshly efforts from wrongheadedness to a right-headedness. We've shifted our fleshly engagement from living our life for ourselves to living our life, living our life, living our life for Christ. It's not living by the Spirit. Living by the Spirit, as we talked about last week, is that we bear in our body the dying 
so that the life of Christ can be manifested in our mortal flesh. In other words, we allow, as we talked about last week, a dying means a withering, a withering of our flesh, a withering of our intellectual ideas, a withering of our willfulness, a withering of our emotional control, a withering of our passion to do things our way, and replacing it with a surrendering, a yielding to Christ's life within, allowing Jesus to express his mind, his passions, his will, his heart, and emotion into a dark world where we become the priests representing God to man as we represent man to God, standing in the gap we're allowing the conduit of his life to flow through us as Christ allowed the Father's life to be expressed in him. It's this picture of our cooperation with, not coming to the temple of our life to serve our interests, but to come entirely surrendering to him. Now, here's the good news about this, especially for those of you that are Christians. Some of you... I. I, I suspect through this, you're learning a, such a new paradigm. I'm going to tell you, if you try and put the, the commands of Scripture into the old paradigm, which is you need to try harder, you're not doing enough. You need to work harder at being a good Christian. That's your problem. You need to, you need to live more like a priest. You need to act more in, in God's interests. If you put this word in the old paradigm of you doing it, you've just set yourself up for misery. Trust me, absolute misery. The paradigm is not about you trying harder. It's about you relinquishing control. You saying, Lord, I see now that my calling is to be yielded to your life, not to imitate your life, not to act like you, but to allow you to act through me, not to try harder to be a better Christian, but to let Christ be Christ in me, the hope of glory, to let Jesus live his life in me. The Lord is the inheritance of the believer who relinquishes the flesh, both the good expressions of the flesh and the bad expressions of the flesh, both the religious expressions of flesh and the immoral expressions of flesh, they relinquish the flesh and its abilities in order to take, uh, to, to release their life to the, to the inheritance of Christ's life in them. When that happens, we begin to experience a completely different paradigm. I tell you, my heart is so heavy for so many believers, many of you that are maybe listening to me even now, who are laboring under a what I call, I got to try harder brand of Christianity. I got to do more. I got to work harder. I got to devote myself more. I got to engage my will deeper, be a better follower of Jesus. Saints, that is not life by the Spirit. Life by the Spirit is saying, praise God, Lord, 
everything I read in the Scripture that you ask of me, everything I read in Scripture that you ask of me are the promises of what you said you would do in me. The Bible says that it is He who calls us, and He will do it. He both wills and does according to His pleasure in us. It's His life in us, His life in us, that is the guarantee that what His Word asks of us, He will do in us. What would happen if every time you read a command of Scripture, listen to me, you perfectionists out there, you who are, we try harder Christians, you who are listening to this and thinking, man, you're trying to put this in the old paradigm. I got to be a better priest. I got to be a better temple. I got to work harder at this. What would happen if every time, every single time you read a command of Scripture, you would look at that command of Scripture and you would say, Lord, I thank you. I thank you that my inheritance is not in what I can plant and grow and build and achieve in my strength and my ability. That's not my inheritance. My inheritance is the Lord. You are in me. Your life is available to me. And as I look at what your word is asking of me, I'm so thankful, Lord, that you are my inheritance. You are my portion. You are the one who now can do in me what you've asked of me. You can do in me what you have asked of me. This is life in the Spirit. Well, how does he do in us what he asks of us? Well, I'll tell you how he doesn't do us, is he doesn't do it by getting us to do it. He does it by us yielding to his presence and power, his life through us. He is the portion. He is the inheritance. I hope you're getting this. I hope something's awakening in your heart. I hope something's coming alive in your spirit about this. There is such rich truth in this unexpected path. I just wish I could convince you during your, your time in the next week, go back to the passage that I started, the teaching I started on the unexpected path, and begin there and re-listen to some of these messages. Some of this truth is such a paradigm shift for so many of you who are in a works-focused faith, where you're doing it by trying harder that unless you get this paradigm shift clearly understood, you'll put this teaching in a paradigm that doesn't fit. Anything that Christ's Word asks of you in the New Testament, the New Covenant, in the Old Covenant, what He asked of you, He expected of you. Why? To prove to you that you couldn't do it in your own strength. In the new covenant, what he asks of you, he's promised to do in you by the power of his life through you as you yield to and surrender to his life. I want you to look at one last verse of scripture and I'm going to come to a close now. I want you to look at Psalm 73. We'll close with this verse of scripture. Psalm 73, and I want to look in just a moment at verse 25. 
Psalm 73, verse 25, I, I, I think maybe you'll be able to see this with new eyes, hear it with a new heart. I know I certainly have come to hear it in completely new ways. Psalm 73, look what it says in verse 25. Now think about what was the Levites' inheritance? It was the Lord. Who were the Levites? They were the priests. Who are you now? You are a priest. What temple do you serve? You're the temple. His presence is in you. What is the inheritance of the priest? The Lord himself. Now, in that context, look at this verse of scripture. Psalm 73, verse 25. Whom have I in heaven but you? And there is nothing upon earth I desire besides you. My flesh and my heart fail, but God is the strength of my heart and my portion, my inheritance, my portion. Who do we have in heaven? God. What is our inheritance? The Lord. What is our portion? Him. Where have our lines fallen on this earth? No. Can I tell you, there's so many priests who will never show up on the map because their inheritance was not earthly. It was heavenly. The Lord is their inheritance. My flesh, Mike Atkins' flesh, my heart, they fail. I'm not even surprised at my flesh. I'm not even surprised at the inabilities and incapacities of my heart. God's not surprised either. God knew our flesh and our heart would fail. That's why he didn't ask us to do it for him and live our life for him, because he knew our flesh and our heart would fail. Instead, he said, let me be the strength of your heart and let me be your portion. What an inheritance. Like the psalmist, I can say, I have a good inheritance and the lines have fallen to me in pleasant places. Let's pray. Lord, sometimes these things that you show me in Scripture, they're so deep, Lord, but I just pray that I'm able to share them in a way that your people can understand and they can handle and apply to their heart. Father, I pray, first of all, that they would know that you're inviting them to relinquish the strength of their own life, the heart and the flesh that fail. You're not asking them to live this Christian life by their heart, by their strength. That was never your plan. You're asking them to let you be the strength of their heart, to let you be their portion, to you be their inheritance. You're inviting them to not build a God out of gold that they make with their own hands and serve with their own hands, but to come into the priesthood of the Spirit, to let your life live in them and through them, Father, this is the cry of my heart. My main goal in life is to stay out of your way and learn how to let you live through me. I'm so thankful that you're my inheritance. I have, I have such a good, good, good inheritance. I thank you, Lord Jesus. Well, what an honor to have shared this time with you today. I only have one request. If this message has been an encouragement to you, please share it with someone that the Lord has laid on your heart. 
we have a few additional resources for you as well. To learn more about them or to get in touch with us, log on to MikeAtkinsMinistry.com or just click the link in the show description. I'm Mike Atkins. See you next time.